0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hello, fellow factoid freaks and flapdoodle fans. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 56, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your placid platoon of pleasant people, pleasing to present plenty of pleasurable podcasting. Whoa. <laughs> that was submitted by a listener, Bethany. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank oh. you. Oh. A free nice. alliteration.
2: I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris.
1: All right. Let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz hot. Shot. And in this segment, I choose a random Trivial Pursuit cards, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers, and see if we can answer some of these questions. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. St. Basil's Cathedral, whose architect, according to legend, was blinded, so he would never again create anything so beautiful. Is in what city?
2: (laughs) Oh, uh, I, I think this is in Russia. Do I have at least the country right? Like yes. America? Okay, God, what city? Is it uh, St. Petersburg?
1: Moscow.
3: Uh, okay. I, I bet you yeah. St. Peter's Cathedral is in St. Petersburg. Just me.
2: It's funny, actually, just quickly about the, the blinded architect. Uh, that story you can find attached to many famous structures throughout history. It's really hard to substantiate that it ever happened, but if you read enough about art history or archaeology, almost every famous building has, a, oh, and the architect was blinded, so he could never reproduce <laughs> yeah. this work of art yeah
0: what a drama queen
3: (laughs) the guy who built this arby's was blinded it was the
0: best arby's all
1: right pop culture pink wedge what band offered online pay what you want pricing for their 2007 album, In Rainbows. <laughs> Dana. Uh, Radiohead? Correct. Yeah. Radiohead.
3: A smashing success yeah, yeah. for them, and uh, really the thing that kicked off the idea of pay what pay you what want. Pay what you want. Wow. Yeah. And I
2: think that, it, that they felt vindicated. I think I remember reading that the average price settled around $9, I yeah. think, out of all the donations, which yes, they thought the, was a fairer price. Oh, to oh, all yeah. the
3: skeptics who said uh, people are just going to pay a penny. Right. Were, and there were. Yeah. yeah. There were, but they were outweighed by by other people paying. Like, oh, I'll pay two hundred dollars yep. because I love you guys so much. Yep. 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 Yep.
1: All right. Yellow wedge. What civilization was sustained by farming on artificial islands called chinampas? Chinampas.
0: Chinampas.
2: C h i n a m p a s. Yeah. What, what
0: civilization? Oh. I'm guessing Aztecs? Correct. Yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah. It
2: sounds like a Aztec word. Huh, probably Kinampas, probably. Oh, okay.
1: China Mpass. I vaguely remember it from world history. Alright, Purple Wedge. An Argentinian man left a bequest to a theater company in nineteen fifty-five, provided they used his skull in what Shakespeare play.
3: <laughs> Chris. Hamlet. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Green Wedge for Science. What odd mammal's name comes from the Greek for flat foot? Colin.
2: Is it platypus? Gotta be. Platypus.
1: (laughs) All right, last question Orange Wedge. What clear malt beverage hit the market in the early 90s? (gasps) Chris. (laughs) Chris. Zima.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, Zima. Do they
2: still, they don't still sell no, it No, they anyway. finally, I think they, I think they went, they changed hands, they finally went out of business. No,
3: it's, I mean, basically it's like, it's been replaced by Mike's Hard Lemonade. Or off right. Ice. Right, yeah. Yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever have Zima? One, oh, yeah. yeah. Their
2: main selling point was, you can practically taste it and it gets you drunk.
1: <laughs> but it does not
2: taste very good. I remember, no. so uh, I, I have had Zima, yes.
1: No. All right, good job, Brains. So this week, our topic, I got inspired by Chris. Oh, thank you. Cause Chris, you got really, really sick. Yes.
3: Oh, we're not doing the incredibly handsome people topic. <laughs> For next week. Just the sick um, people. Yeah, I decided that it would be a fun idea to be violently ill on an airplane, on a six hour airplane ride. Oh, <laughs> I shared that story with everyone and Karen's like, well, let's talk about all the ways that the human body can mess you up.
1: Yes. So this week we're talking about the human body.
3: Sail to the right. <laughs> Well, I mean, since this show was uh, inspired by horrible things my body did to me, <laughs> okay. uh, I think I get the right to go first, and with a segment called "Help, Help, Help!" I'm drowning.
1: Oh, um, so, positive.
3: So let's say, so let's say, uh, Colin. Let's yeah. let's say, uh, for example, that you were at the beach. Uh, and the lifeguard at the beach said, hey, I gotta go run and get a drink. Can you, uh, can you just be the lifeguard for a few minutes here? Now, besides the fact that this would be like the worst lifeguard ever. Right. If you were to say yes and get up on the, on the chair and just sort of as a, as a layperson, you're looking out for danger essentially and you're trying to identify somebody who is drowning. What do you think you'd be looking for?
2: Uh well based on my knowledge of Baywatch and yeah. TV, <laughs> yes. I would assume somebody flailing their arms around wildly in the in the surf.
3: Right. And they would be saying something like Help! Help, or... I'm drowning! Yes, help, 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 I'm drowning! Save me! And waving their arms around and trying to grab at things and right. things of that nature. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, that's essentially, I mean, after watching Baywatch and literally any TV or TV show or movie in which someone is drowning, that is what we think of. And we're like, oh, I'm going to watch out for drowning people. Then, you know, you get the big comical red and white life buoy, right? right? And you throw <laughs> it to them. And here, grab hold of this! And they grab hold of it and you tow them in with the rope and and, you, you know, you it's pull like, them back God, in. thank God, Billy, you're oh, okay. Yeah, oh, Billy, I uh, wow, I was really drowning out there. Right, yeah, and so that's, and then you save somebody from drowning and you get written up in the paper. As a matter of fact, if you are looking out for that, you will never, ever see people who are actually drowning. This uh, is why I was will... fired from my job as a lifeguard. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. It was not. Too long ago, it was really the 1970s when there was a, a lifeguard named Frank Pia, who was basically this, this <gasps> incredibly influential, uh, you want to get it all out, Karen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. P- P- Pia, Pia the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So how, right it yes. Sounds like oh, yes. yes. Excuse me. Let me go back and retcon. This segment is now called Pia in the pool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lifeguard named Frank Pia, who identified basically the, what he calls the instinctive drowning response. And mm. he actually filmed People who were drowning, because really, because people almost drown all the time. Like, all you really have to do is go down to a crowded beach and just like point a camera at a crowded beach, and you will start catching people on camera almost drowning. Hmm. And so he would do this and, and film it and study drowning. And basically said, okay, no, (laughs) there's such a thing as the instinctive drowning response. And so here's the good job brain segment that might actually save a life someday. When a person is drowning, what this means is that they're out in the water, they're over their head, and their body is not able to maintain buoyancy, enough buoyancy, and basically they are unable to keep their mouth above the water level long enough to take in enough air... When you can't get enough air and you can't get your mouth above water, you are no longer in control of your actions. Because all of the fun things that we do, waving our arms up in the air going, help, help, I'm drowning, that's all secondary to your body's central nervous system, like getting oxygen. Right. So as soon as you can't take in oxygen, your body... Shuts down all that, and it just it just starts working on a yeah, basic automatic. level of autonomic nervous system. That's the part of the brain that controls like your heart beating and sneezing and Got stuff it. like that. Like not something that you think involuntary. About. Mm-hmm. So your arms, you will start flapping your arms like the wings of a bird laterally trying to push yourself above the water mm. your head will tilt back as far as you can get it back to get your mouth above the surface of the water and you can't talk right we can only talk once breathing is fulfilled and at this point you you are not in any voluntary control of your actions whatsoever right. your body is just right. attempting to keep itself alive this lasts for 20 to 60 seconds before the person goes under for the last time so you've got about a minute and so this is what lifeguards now have to identify and again it's only been like since the 1970s that they really truly understood this hmm. that if you throw them the big comical life buoy <laughs> and go grab this they can't grab it right, their right. arms are thrashing oh. up and down they they're not aware couldn't grab it even if you wanted to the thing is sometimes when people drown There are people standing all around them. They just don't don't recognize the signs. No, they think they're playing in the water. Mm. They think they're just having a good time, you know, thrashing their, bobbing up and down in the water, trying to swim, thrashing their hands up and down. And so you'll see lifeguards, like, pushing their way past crowds of people to get to one person in the crowd because they recognize that person's going through instinctive drowning response and they've got... One chance. They've got 60 seconds maximum to go down there. Now that they've identified this, not only does all of the what to watch for lifeguard training goes out the window, but all of the, okay, you've identified a drowning person. You've swum out to them. What do you do? Like, that kind of goes out the window. Because typically in lifeguard training classes before this, somebody would be in the water going, help, help, I'm drowning. And then the lifeguard would swim towards them. And then the, the, the pretend victim at this point would like reach their arms out, right. <laughs> and they'd grab onto the lifeguard, and they'd be like, oh, thank you, lifeguard, and then they'd both swim back to shore together. But lifeguards had to realize now that when they were going out there to save somebody their arms were going to be thrashing up and down in the water violently and they actually had to avoid getting getting socked on the head by them and and Frank Pia developed what is called the Pia carry which is a just a very specific technique for like getting underneath somebody supporting because the first thing you have to do you don't just grab a drowning person and start dragging them to shore you have to Lift get them, them up, up, up above the water line so they're up above the waterline and they can start breathing again and right. so it's like a simultaneous like thing where you get under with your shoulders and your legs and everything and you get them up and you carry, start carrying them.
1: I think of dirty dancing when, like, the guy lifts the girl horizontally. <laughs> I don't think it's like oh, okay. that. I'm pretty sure it's not like that. <laughs> well, it's, probably, not,
3: it's probably not a terrible no. thought like, process. Like, it's perpendicular.
1: Of, like, you
2: make a T. I think it's that they kind of pull the person around from behind as if you were grab somebody from behind to give them a hug and you sort of swim backward, I think. And I might be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, it's,
3: it's probably something to, the, to that extent. But you've got to get them up right, and yeah. out of the water.
1: That's scary and wonderful at the same time. Because yeah. it's scary that you're... Body would be like, no, I'm gonna control this for you. You and, can't be trusted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But right. Then but then, but then it your does life.
3: all of these things automatically for you that prolong your your life or uh, cause you to be able to be rescued or would cause you to be able to get yeah. out of that state.
0: That was a little dark. <laughs> 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 I have a quiz for you guys. It's kind of a palate cleanser. Maybe <laughs> uh, it's called "Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk." It's about body gunk. <laughs> uh, oh, body gunk. Yeah. <laughs> the wonderful, uh, things your body makes, natural, natural things your body produces mm. <laughs> that are a little gross, a little funky. Somebody said, um, we're a little sophomoric in the review. A, a little, little sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I'll show you sophomoric. <laughs> and, like, and I was like, oh, they're going to like this quiz. All right. First question. A normal human being produces about 278 gallons of this substance per year.
3: I'm going to go with. Saliva.
0: No. Nope.
1: <gasps> That's I was, a lot. Uh, urine. No. Sweat. 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 Yeah. Oh. In a year, I, I
3: would think it's more. I produce a lot of saliva in a year.
1: This
0: substance is composed of fluid, white blood cells, bacteria, and other debris. Chris. Pus. Yes. yes. Right. Pus.
4: Yeah,
0: right. Pus. Pus. Also known as cerumen, this is made of oil, sweat, and dried skin cells. That is earwax. Yes. Oh, nice. I was going to guess
1: eye gunk. C-E-R-U-M-E-N. Cerumen.
2: Yeah, that's a Sounds good Sounds like one. Lord of the Rings, huh? It does. Cerumen. Yeah. 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 Cerumen. yeah.
0: This is a form of hardened plaque and is also the same word for a kind of mathematical study. Plaque. Hardened
2: plaque. Oh, oh. Oh, nice. Forget it's, it. Uh, yeah. uh, is it, uh, it's like calculus? Is that what it yes. is? Yes, calculus. Oh. Oh. Do you know
0: that the word for calculus? Is... is it
2: the same as tartar? Yes.
0: Oh, got it. oh got it. Like calcium. Calc- oh. Right, right. Okay, finally, last question. In ancient Rome, physicians recommended rinsing the mouth with this bodily substance as a way to get sparkling white teeth. Oh, man. <laughs> Colin.
2: This I have read before. Oh. This is
0: urine. Yes. Uh because it has naturally occurring ammonia. Romans! So. Yeah. <laughs> work.
2: And I remember reading once that it was such a fad that it wasn't just your own urine, that it was, they would, I'm not, <laughs> I read this, that they would actually bring in urine from other regions and countries and that various regions were known to be, oh, this is this is the good stuff. You really want to rinse your mouth with urine from The Silk Road is actually the urine Highly
3: prized. What vintage is this? The mouthfeel of this. This is an artisan urine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good
1: job, you guys. You really know Thank your you. body gunk.
3: We know our, we know our junk.
1: I'm just gonna go for it. Speaking mm. of pee. Oh, okay. I had speaking of pee on my good job brain bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure you guys and the listeners uh, expect me to mention pee or poo facts for this very episode. So one day for lunch uh, this past week, I had this awesome thing of polenta and uh, with spring vegetables. And, and by spring vegetables, uh, they're really just like different varieties of asparagus. Uh-oh. And uh, I'm sure you're way ahead of me now <laughs> with my story and <laughs> see where this is going. So for the rest of the day, every time I went to the bathroom... Like, my pee smelled weird. Like, my pee had asparagus. It was asparagus pee, right? And we all know this. If we eat asparagus, your pee smells weird. Does it happen to everybody? So, here's the thing. I'm sitting there thinking, why does this happen? What's actually causing this? And is it just me? Is it everybody? And so, here it is. Alright, I have some quotes from important people. Benjamin Franklin said, A few stems of asparagus eaten shall give our urine a disagreeable odor. (laughs) (laughs) But... Marcel Proust says, Asparagus transforms my chamber pot into a flask of perfume. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> so it seems like it might smell different for everybody. Most of the time, it smells bad for most people. And this is why. Asparagus has aptly asparagusic acid, Mm. and so these are the only sulfur-containing compounds unique to asparagus. And so when your body metabolizes this type of acid, Mm. you get methylmercaptan, which is a byproduct gas. And of course, this is the same type of gas that makes your bad breath smell bad, makes Mm. farts smell bad. So it's related to a lot of sulfur, bad-smelling things skunk Makes boiled sense. cabbage all Rot- kinds. eggs yes all within kind of the same family right and so the ability to produce this gas in urine after eating asparagus was once thought to be a genetic trait some people uh, genetically might break it eat. down yeah, and break it don't. down okay. and some don't but actually recent research suggests that this odor is actually produced by everybody everybody has asparagus pee it's actually the detection of it varies from person to person. Ah. So your pee will always smell weird, but maybe you're you, not wired
2: in your olfactory system yep,
1: to smell it or maybe it smells a little bit different. That's why Marcel Proust thinks it smells awesome and Benjamin Franklin and me and probably all of, most of you guys think it smells really weird.
3: Maybe perfume just didn't smell that good back in yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm still working yeah. on it.
1: And also, another personal story. When I was a kid, I don't know, I think it was a, because of a dare or something, but I was <laughs> I was 10, <laughs> and I drank a whole pitcher of grape Kool-Aid.
3: Okay. okay.
1: And then for the rest of the day, my pee <laughs> was green not purple it yeah. was super green sure
3: well because grape kool-aid is purple but there is no such a thing as purple because it's really just a really deep blue right and yellow and blue make green uh, so yeah that makes sense
1: the underlying theme i guess of of this segment is just pee has stuff that you metabolize or yes. or yeah. can't metabolize right. it you just are comes out you, pee. you, pee, you, what are you are pee what you eat. yeah pee. i actually i actually
3: learned recently oh well, well i guess it was a couple of years ago now but i learned that you know beets turn my pee red right really really red um, i remember for a Dad. long time. No, because, I mean, I did not know that, and I ate, Karen made a bunch of beets, like a, a bunch of roasted beets that were super, super, like, roasted, and just so deep red and delicious that we ate a lot of them, that that evening, I thought I had cancer. You know? I mean, I thought, I was like, I'm gonna die. Dead. That's it. There's red just... coming out
2: of a place there shouldn't be red coming exactly. out Exactly, of...
3: and I mean, I talked to a friend about it, and he finally said, like, well, what did you eat? I'm like, well, like, nothing. I'm like, I had some eggs for breakfast, and then we ate, like, a whole buttload of beets. Uh. <laughs> yep.
1: In addition to beets, blackberries and rhubarb also turn your pee red or pink. Really? So multivitamins. If you eat a lot of vitamins and, you know, your body only takes what it needs and then it just kind of processes the rest and it escapes right. through pee you might notice that your pee will be neon yellow.
2: Mm, and this has that. happened to I've me. I've heard that from vitamins, yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, there you go. My pee lowdown. <laughs>
2: Have you guys heard of methyl blue? So methyl blue, it's a substance that'll turn your pee blue. Yes. And, like, if you're, you know, a medical student or a urologist, you might know this. And I think they use it for diagnostic purposes. Yeah. But and pranks. And pranks. So I remember hearing about it where you get someone, you sneak it into your buddy's drink or whatever, and then they go to the bathroom and they're peeing blue all of a sudden. So imagine how shocked you are, not at red, but blue, if you're not expecting it coming out.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of uh, different medication that also alters the color of your pee, but just even normal foods will (laughs) make it smell weird, will Mm -hmm. make it look (laughs) weird. Well, we've talked a little bit about
2: uh gunks that your body produces and we've talked a little bit about expelling things from your body. So I'm gonna combine the two and talk <laughs> about sneezing. Oh
3: okay. <laughs> An involuntary body response. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That
2: is often associated with some um fluid of gunk of some sure. sort. The technical scientific name for sneezing oh. is
0: sternutation.
1: <laughs> it sounds like a pregnancy thing, actually. Sternutation. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, don't open the door. He's in She's, there sternutating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The She's sternutating, sternutating room. Why, why is
0: he sternutating if it's about pregnancy? <laughs> 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 That's true. <laughs> That's a
2: topic for another show, Dana. Yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love sneezing because this is one of those like areas of biology and physiology that uh, you can tell that researchers involved in this field have a good sense of humor. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it's one of those things like where if you're studying poo for your living or sneezing, it's just... I mean, it's some things are inherently funny and it's going to bleed through <laughs> into your research. Yeah. There's a lot of fun acronyms and names in the world of sneezing research yeah yeah so i got i got some great terms and some portmanteau words and some horrible horrible acronyms that we'll get to shortly here so sneezing like a lot of things it's Partly really well understood. Like, we really understand the physiology of it, like how the sequence goes. But the neurology part of it, a lot of it is really poorly understood, like a lot of neurological things. At the base of it, you've got your typical, your prototypical sneeze. Like, I think we all understand how that works, you know? So, like nasal irritation, there's some particles or dust or something in your nose, and then that sets off a chain reaction in your nervous system that forces your body to expel air out and get whatever's in your nose out. And so, I mean, that explains... All of your sneezes like pollen or dust or pepper in the face or sneezing powders. like These are all things we're really familiar with. You get stuff in your nose, your body wants to get it out.
1: I hope you're going to touch upon something that I actually suffer. Oh, I, I am sure that I am okay. without even getting there. All right, because wow. I'm very curious why I, I do
2: it. I am sure that we will get there. Right. Um, what really interests me are the atypical sneezes, the things that are gets into the area of, we don't really know why the body does this. What? So yeah, that's I me. think this is where we're getting. So all right so let me ask you guys a little question so we've all been there you're like oh you you know you feel the sneeze coming on and like you want to sneeze you want to get it out because you're like oh it's driving me like what's a very common bit of advice that people will give you look at light look at light yes Mm. and this works for me this absolutely works for me Mm -hmm. this doesn't work for everybody oh this part of sneezing is is really hotly debated they don't really really understand why this is
3: i had heard that it was if your your optic nerves that are sending the light messages down are close enough to the nerves in the nose near where that would set off a sneeze right that that might explain it is that one of the that that's that's
2: absolutely one of the leading theories and so behind your behind your face if you were to peel off your face uh, you would see (laughs) which
3: we are not for a second recommending that you do if you
2: were to peel off your face uh you would see among many other things You would see the trigeminal nerve, and this is one of the major nerves, and it extends behind your nose, behind your eyes, behind your jaw, and that whole the whole front of your face, basically. Mm -hmm. The pathways that are face nerve. It's your face nerve. It's your main face Mm -hmm. nerve, and the nerves that are responsible for triggering sneezes. We we know that it's the trigeminal nerve. We also know that it's responsible for optical pathways and things like that involved in vision. So one of the theories is that because they're so closely related in terms of the pipes. They can maybe cross-stimulate each other, yeah. and it can kind of work both directions. Right. Yeah.
3: Now, my fiance, who I sometimes mention, is Taiwanese, and uh, we've had this discussion, and uh, she's just like, I think this is a white people thing. Because, <laughs> and, and it might be, like, differences in, like, cranial structure, different ethnic groups might cause there to be a difference as far as whether you're susceptible to yeah. this or not. or Because loc- she was just like... I've never, never heard, never heard of people in my family like sneezing because they looked at light.
1: As a kid, every time I step outside in the daytime, I will always sneeze. I secretly thought I was allergic to the sun and was freaked out. And I realized
2: it's just I'm really sensitive. Oh, God. I mean, you guys are setting me up perfectly here. This is great. So, Karen, you, you do, in fact, suffer from what is called the photic sneeze reflex. Cool. Yes, at a hypersensitive level. Yeah. It describes a scenario where virtually any bright light exposure will trigger sneezing. And for some people, it's really bad. It'll be fits of sneezing. Like, they'll oh. walk out into the bright light and they'll start sneezing for several minutes and not be able to stop. So be lucky you don't have that extreme. It does not affect everybody. They estimate about a fourth of the population has photic sneeze reflex. And Chris, it's so funny you say this. In the course of doing research, they have found it is overwhelmingly present in Caucasian populations, and it is largely prevalent among women. I am taking a victory lap.
3: I'm taking a... Regina can also take a victory lap, but yes.
2: Okay, so now, the photic sneeze reflex, such a boring name. Don't you think that that could benefit (laughs) from a snappy acronym? Yeah. You are suffering from, Karen, what is known as the achu Syndrome. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. so
0: proud when
2: they came up yes, with it. I, can actu- already- <laughs> I told you, you have to have a good sense of humor to uh, uh-huh. research sneezes. The autosomal dominant compelling helioophthalmic outburst uh-huh. syndrome. Basically, sun makes you go sneeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you also heard in their autosomal, uh, it is believed to be genetic. The photic sneeze reflex is... My
1: dad has it too! There you go.
2: There is another phenomenon that apparently is well known to many people. I had never heard of this, but if you are really full, if you've just eaten a lot at the end of a big meal, for some people, this will trigger sneezing fits, and much the way the photic sneeze reflex, sometimes uncontrollably. The name for this is... Snatiation. Portmanteau of Sneezing sneezing and Satiation. satiation, Right. It gets worse. It gets worse. Not only is snatiation a portmanteau word. These people are uh, having it is also one of the worst acronyms I've (laughs) ever heard in my life sneezing non-controllably at a time of indulgence (laughs) of the appetite, a trait inherited and ordained to be named. Not Uh, bad. Tortured. Not bad. But done with tongue firmly in cheek. No, and then again, reading about this, a lot of people are like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one who did this, or oh my God, my dad does this, yeah. But there is ample room for research, uh, you know, young listeners, if you want to get into the field of sneezing study. And (laughs) wordplay. It sounds like, yeah, they're
0: down with some puns. Yeah, you better come
2: prepared (laughs) with your bad puns. Very quickly, just to wrap up, so, we talked earlier about ways to trigger sneezes. What are some of the best ways that you guys have heard to stop a sneeze you uh, hold
3: your hold your eyes open because you you close your eyes when you sneeze. So if you keep your eyes open, oh, okay. you'll make your sneeze. eyes fall out. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. You decide.
2: The one I always remember from cartoons is the finger under the nose. Is That's that? a real thing. Oh, that it is? is? That is absolutely a real thing. There is there is a pressure point right under oh. the bony part of your nose. I learned this, and it works all for me. All of us are touching our yeah, nose. Yeah, right now. For me, at least, it absolutely works. It will no. squelch. No it will squelch a sneeze. The nerves in your face are all really interconnected yeah, face in some nerve. indescribable ways
1: <laughs> alright let's take a quick break and a word from our sponsor
3: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist
2: pumper a hand clapper, a, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those
3: winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes?
2: Nope. Never heard that before.
1: And welcome back. You are listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we're talking about the amazing human body.
3: I would like to title this Old Wise Tales. Bits of received wisdom passed down throughout the generations, some of which uh, turn out to actually be true, even though the old wives in question didn't understand why. Or and, science in and, general. And, right, yes, or yes. Um, and then some of which turn out to be total baloney. And so, <laughs> this quiz is about old wives' tales. Are they true or what? And I'll let you guys do thumbs up and thumbs down. You guys can vote,
4: okay, uh, and
3: I will. Cool. I will let you, the listeners, know how our panel is voting, and then we will reveal the actual answer. Thumbs up for true. Thumbs up for truth. Number one. True or false? Old wives' tale. Drinking warm milk makes you sleepy. Everybody says true. Everybody is equal parts right and wrong. It's true for <laughs> yeah. it's true for infants that after infants have a meal of warm body temperature 98.6 degree breast milk they will uh, fall asleep. Is it true for adults? Yeah, if they're conditioned to do it. Oh uh, <laughs> um, it it's might been a actually their routine. Yeah, or... warmth does make you sleepy, right? Kind of what happens is like it might make you fall asleep because it makes you fall asleep because you're thinking you're it's thinking. going to, so it yeah. does, and it worked the last yeah. time and it's very comforting. But no, it's not like there's people are like, Oh well there's tryptophan and warm milk. It's so, a well, I guess, yeah, but it's not gonna you know. How about this? How about chicken soup is good for a cold? Now, of course, we're veering into some dangerous territory here, obviously. There might be, there's room for debate in a lot of these, but chicken soup is good for a cold. Is that false or is that true? Oh. Karen says false. Colin says true. Dana says true. As per the Mayo Clinic, chicken soup is good for a cold. This is what the Mayo Clinic's website says. First, it acts as an anti-inflammatory, the site says, by inhibiting the movement of neutrophils, immune system cells that participate in the body's inflammatory response. Oh. Second, it temporarily speeds up the movement of mucus, possibly help oh. relieving congestion and limiting the amount of time viruses are oh. in contact with the nose lining. So it's not necessarily that it Cures your cold, but that does things that help you. Yeah. Reading in the dark will damage your eyesight. Don't read in the dark, you'll damage your eyesight. Everybody says false. It is false. Yay! You might, you might get a headache by, because you're putting strain on your eyes that you don't really have to, but it's not like your vision is gonna get permanently from 2020 to 1620 because you read in the dark. Take that, I, grandma!
1: I actually thought it improves your eyesight, and this may be another old wife's tale or uh, a baloney science. You're working out your eye muscle, so it's almost like, You're going to the gym, but for your eyeballs, you're doing sets. No, baloney. No, I don't think it works.
3: I think that's, I think that unfortunately is baloney. You don't really want to uh, strain your eyeballs. This is an interesting saying that I only just learned about. Gain a child, lose a tooth. Oh, funny. As in, your dental health will degenerate with pregnancy. Correlation, or at least a causation between getting pregnant and worsening dental health. True or false?
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an asterisk on my thumb. Yeah, everybody, I can see that being true says at one time.
3: Everybody. Pops an asterisk on their on their thumb and says, "True, it is yeah. true. It's not a not at a one to one ratio, and not simply because you, have a, you know you have a baby and a tooth falls out, etc. And here's what Delta Dental says on the subject: Morning sickness when you're pregnant because vomiting will erode your tooth enamel. Um, you will you could actually you could also uh, hormonal changes during pregnancy could give you dry mouth, uh, and and having less saliva in your mouth will increase the risk of cavities. And of course, when you're pregnant, you have an increased desire." Delta dental for sugary and starchy foods.
2: Uh, and I had this whole theory of like, oh, well maybe the mother's body diverts nutrients or yes, resources to yes. the baby and oh. then the calcium deficiency or yes, <laughs> the baby eats know. your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> that
3: was I think the made up reason for a while like, oh, well, you know, it's all going to the baby and there's less for herself Got and it. whatever, but no, mm-hmm. it's it's all these it's all these things it's that the vomit. that makes sense. that makes a lot more sense. And stress yes. is bad for
0: your teeth too. Stress is bad for your gums. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So. so if you're
3: pregnant, you're watching <laughs> yeah. a lot of things when you're pregnant, yeah. you know. Uh, watch, watch out your for your teeth. Yeah, <laughs> um, you should eat bread crust because that's where all the good stuff is. Uh, Danis is false, Colin says false, Karen says false. It's actually true! Really? Well, it's, it's not because, like, all the nutrients in the bread migrate out to the crust, yeah. uh, but because the, the browning reaction, the, Ma- the Maillard reaction of, of browning, actually creates uh, higher levels of beneficial antioxidants uh, in the crust there. Now, of course, you could just, you know, go ahead and toast the bread if you wanted to. <laughs> um, finally, wait one hour after eating before you swim. It is dangerous to swim right after you've eaten. Karen says true, Alan Daisy no. false. No, it's false. Oh. Now, no, okay. So, digestion does require oxygen, like everything else your body does. And so, yeah, are you competing a little bit? Like, sure. Now, Karen, you would not go to In-N-Out and eat five burgers before running a marathon. No. Right? No. Or do it after. You're going to get a cramp. <laughs> yeah. You're going to yeah. feel bad. You're going to feel bloated. Like, that's a great reason to not eat a huge meal and then go and then, like, athletically swim around. But there's but nothing
2: special about swimming versus jogging other or Other kinds of or exercise. Okay. Yeah. Right.
3: You don't load up on heavy food. Okay, I it thought it was more nuts.
0: like, don't eat a sandwich and then get in the pool and throw up and then ruin the pool for everybody. (laughs) Because because it is embarrassing for me. I have to clean it up. (laughs)
3: And again, you hear about tons and tons and tons of cases where children drown and it's like one of the biggest killers of children is like, it's drowning. But you never hear a story about little Jimmy Johnson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ate a sandwich and then went <laughs> in Only the Only waited 49 minutes. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah.
1: Now it's up to our generation to set these facts
2: that's straight. That's right, that's true. All right, well, I didn't think we could have a body show without a discussion of funky names for various body parts. So many of the words are just strange words in and of themselves. But
1: for very plain things, I would imagine. So yeah,
2: so I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna talk about a mix of things here. So most of these are gonna be like the technical name for common things. Okay. Some of these are gonna be things like oh, I didn't know that had a name. You guys know what the name for uh, the little thing that hangs down in the back of your throat is? Uh Chris, I think buzzed in. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. <laughs> the uvula. It
2: is yeah. the uvula. And I remember on the playground, like, oh, I can see your uvula. That
1: sounds dirty. Right, it right, sounds, right. So
2: many of these are going to sound dirty. Why does that
1: sound dirty? The uvula, Oh, like vulva. Because it yeah. sounds like vulva. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uvula, of course, I didn't realize this. It makes so much sense. It's, it comes from Latin. It means little grape.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's your mouth grape.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth grape. Shut your mouth grape. <laughs> <laughs> if I asked you guys to find a lunula on your body... Where would you look?
1: Lunia. So, like, moon. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like yeah Latin. Plan. Yep,
2: you guys. It's Latin Crescent. for little moon. Little moon. I'll give huh. you a hint. Like, okay, Whoa. Karen's gonna take a stab at it.
1: Is it the thing in your fingernail? Yes, that oh. is what it
2: is. Yes, that's great. Your lunula the is the little lighter, sort of half crescent shape at the base of your finger. It, Why
1: is it a different color?
2: It's a different color because it's actually a slightly different consistency of your skin. That's sort where of. it
3: grows from. That's
2: essentially where it grows from. Oh. Yeah. Like if yeah. you get if you get that part damaged, it'll damage your nail really forever. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys, we have to talk about your axilla. <laughs> um, I, oh, Chris, right oh, off the bat
3: This is your armpit
2: It is your armpit Is your axilla yeah. How do you, you, how do you spell,
3: a spell it? L L A. Yeah, right. Uh, they have axillary thermometers that go in your armpit Beautiful Is
1: that why Axe body spray is called Axe? No, <laughs> no I, don't. I would
2: not give them I enough it. I would no, not we, give no. them that much Maybe. credit Maybe
3: Hmm mm.
2: So I think when I was in maybe like 7th or 8th grade, I had a uh, biology teacher and asked the class with the preface, nothing dirty. What's the favorite part of your body? So I picked for my favorite part of my body, this part right under your nose. Yes. Yeah. So I'm touching the little grooved oh. ridge oh, right below yeah. my nose. Do you guys know what this word is? I've, I've heard
3: it before. This is a
2: fantastic word. It's...
1: oh, oh from You're so oh. close.
2: It is the... Filtrum, Filtrum. Philtrum P H I L T R U M What does it do? The prevailing theory is is that in a lot of mammals that need to have a wet nose pad, it functions to to keep it wow. moist so it moves moisture between your nose and your mouth, but it, it's for animals where like they really need to rely on their sense of smell. So the theory is like, as humans, we don't really use our sense of smell that much. So for us, the philtrum probably does nothing. Um, but for dogs, they'll have a little ridge down yep. their nose and it, it has that like kind of capillary action. It keeps mm. their nose wet. Dana, I, uh, so when we were talking about the philtrum, you said frenulum was the uh, first thing that came to mind. That sounds familiar. It's in the head region. Uh, the frenulum is, is... It the
3: butt. in your chin no oh that's a good one
2: the frenulum is the little flap of skin that connects your tongue on the inside Uh, of your mouth oh yeah Yeah. frenulum all right, well, and I'll just close out here. I will say I, I was going to wrap up with Saruman, uh, Dana, but you beat me to the punch. Uh, my, my only bit to add with Saruman is nothing has made me quite so queasy as the Wikipedia page for Saruman, which has two just gross Q-tips with earwax <laughs> globbed <laughs> all over them.
3: And I,
0: I just had to close the page. You're not supposed to do that, by the way. You're not supposed to That's put true. That in your earwax. That's true. Because yeah. it's supposed good to for you. are leave
3: that stuff in there, yeah. Yeah. Don't put Q-tips in your belly button. Have you
1: done yeah. it before?
0: Four We're talking five. about that. I've oh, done really? it and it feels so weird. You should not put Q-tips in your belly button. It makes me really. To go pee. Yes, yeah.
1: it does. It makes me want to go pee.
0: Ninety uh, percent uh, of people have an innie, and occasionally you get an outie. I have an innie. I have an inny. I have an innie. I have an innie. Have an innie. Have an innie. innie.
3: We're all innies. Where,
0: like if you put your finger in there, they
3: put your shirts down, people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. I yeah, everybody's that. bellies oh came God. out. I the wanted to make sure
3: was...
0: it
2: was still there.
0: Oh,
3: holy cow! Thank goodness this section isn't about the butthole. (laughs)
0: Or December of last year, they figured out that everybody has a different ecology of bacteria in their belly buttons. (gasps) What? It's almost like fingerprints. They're so different. University of North Carolina, they did the Mm. Belly Button Biodiversity Project. They had 60 volunteers give belly button samples, and they found 2,368 bacterial species in those belly buttons. One thousand four hundred and fifty-eight of them maybe are new to science. (laughs) Like they (laughs) know.
2: Wow. The last two horizons for biodiversity are rainforests and belly buttons. Yeah, your
0: belly button is just like a rainforest.
1: Because <laughs> they had no idea that yeah. you, you should look for things
0: there. Yeah. there. I mean, there were amazing things in there. Like this yeah. one science writer, there was a bacteria in his belly button that they'd only ever previously found in Japanese soil. He's never been to Japan. And it's in, in his Crazy. belly button. My word. There was somebody else who had bacteria in their belly button that they've only ever found in ice caps and thermal vents. Ha <laughs>
1: What's going on in our belly buttons? I know. Actually, that'd be interesting if I'm seeing dollar signs here. If I had, (laughs) if, if, if if I had all this resources and technology, like it'd be so interesting to subject yourself to like an individual. Belly button ecology test. Mm-hmm. And I would get a report of here the different things that are living in my belly button and where else they're found, like a big infographic. So you, so so you can do that. You can do that.
0: You can get a sample and then they'll take a photo. Basically, they'll give you a breakdown of everything that's in your belly button, like what bacteria are common. like We should yeah. all do this. Yeah. Good job, Britt. Good job, belly button. <laughs> Thank you, Bonobos, for sponsoring our belly button <laughs> testing.
2: <laughs> your, your money is going to good use. Yeah. Just sleep sound at night. Yeah. It's
0: for science. <laughs>
2: Furthering the cause wow. of human knowledge.
0: And they can't figure out if it has to do with gender or, oh. or weight or ethnicity or diet. No, they don't know. They don't know. They just figured out to look. Or there's something in there. Test. The cure for something is in yeah. there. Yeah.
3: This, this whole section just makes me feel really weird. <laughs> I just keep thinking about my belly button. Be careful about digging your belly button. Don't go, no. yeah, don't go
0: looking. Oh, no. There's all sorts of crazy bacteria in there. You don't want to like, oh. put any cuts in there. You can That's get, true. You can get get terrible infections yeah oh. yeah so be careful when you're cleaning no, your we just like your
3: told everybody all these yeah. magical wonderful <laughs> things that are in their belly button don't touch it, to it don't look down there don't
0: yeah. do anything be very
1: gentle with it it's delicate yep. it's a delicate
0: ecosystem yep
3: yep
1: well speaking of amazing body growth i think a lot of people know this for a fact the male facial hair is the fastest growing hair anywhere in your body. You guys would know. So I kind of... The guides would know. I don't know.
2: Sorry. not us, guys, but guys. some real men would know. Right, yeah, right. yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> now that we've made it clear, she's right, talking right, about yeah. hypothetical yes. men. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I had a burning question, and it's, why are five o'clock shadows called... Five o'clock shadows. Oh. Why is it five o'clock?
2: I, I always thought that the the assumption was you shave in the morning, you go to work, and by five o'clock you've grown back enough hair that it's oh. at the end of the day. That's what I always. Oh, I it thought me. it was
3: when you wake up and oh. it's five o'clock in the morning and you're getting ready. You know, you've got that five o'clock shadow, so you've got to shave it off because it's not like you have like hair on your face. You have like huh. stubble. It-
0: well, I was
2: just always like the five o'clock is like the five o'clock and like well, it's five o'clock somewhere. Time to go yeah. drink. It's like end of the day five oh, o'clock. I thought it was the I beginning was. of the day five o'clock. Interesting. All
3: right, yeah. Karen, tell and, us. Like, what it is, Karen.
1: Well, so yeah, why five o'clock? Why isn't it four? Why isn't it six? Why 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 five? Sure. It doesn't rhyme with anything. And it could be like, oh, nine to five yeah. job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here, this is why it's five o'clock specifically. I'm gonna throw
3: this in there, by the way. At some point in this, it's gonna it's going to be revealed that it came from somebody's advertising campaign.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of Mad Men, yeah. Uh,
3: or like anyway. Burma well, something. Well, you guys yeah. are
1: stealing all my material oh! 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 Sorry!
2: The number one lesson, Karen, you should know is don't let us speculate. Yeah.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, okay, go on. Well, so, okay,
1: well, the saying, five o'clock is is important because in 19th century, like, upper crust British people, there is an English habit of taking tea at yes. that time at five o'clock. So we have five o'clock tea and it could be, you know, a social thing. It could be like a, something you do at home. And so the teas became popular with middle classes and eventually trickled from the UK across the Atlantic to USA. And this light late afternoon tea time slash meal were renamed five o'clock dinners. So there is some sort of tradition and that's where you meet people or your family or your friends. In the 1930s, the Five O'Clock Shadow, the term was first officially coined in advertising ah. by the Gem Razorblade Company. Good what-
3: job, Brain, has made me so cynical. That I now <laughs> like anything anything that is a commonly Nothing's authentic. used phrase, exactly. Yep, yeah. yep.
1: So the Gem Razorblade Company wanted to convince dudes... That they needed to use their product. Right. So the company created a campaign that basically shamed men and convinced men that they suffered from, quote, ugly afternoon beard growth. Right. <laughs> so it is 5 p.m. So it's like you shave in the morning, but your razor sucks. Yeah.
2: If if you had a gem razor, it would shave close enough that... Sure.
1: Exactly. So come 5 o'clock, you show up in public to your tea with your friends or with your family and mm. people will be like oh you don't want to show up mm. in some stubble you right. better use the gem razor blade mm.
3: inventing a problem where none exists exactly actually, right, right. Yeah, and yeah. really
1: i mean like like we talked about listering before yeah. like really creating a problem really hyping up the horror of of and unsightliness of having even a little bit of stubble even though maybe you don't even have it but it, the campaigns made you think oh Maybe I do suffer this problem.
2: Right, right. I would have wagered that it was a totally authentic kind of folk saying. You
3: know, I actually, I'd like to throw this out there on that note. Uh, I I attempted to research this but couldn't do it to my satisfaction, and so I put it to you guys and to the Good Job Brain listeners. If you can find me uh, a good definitive answer on this, I was reading an article and someone said within the story, like, maybe they'll get a second chance to make a first impression. And I thought to myself, I'm like, was this like in Benjamin Franklin's Almanac or whatever? Or is this actually just a head and shoulders line? Because yeah. that was their advertising slogan. You never get a second chance to make a first I'm, impression. I'm
2: pretty sure that predates head and shoulders. That's the thing. Okay. I don't,
3: I can't find any evidence that it does or doesn't. So right. I'm, I'm wondering did Head and Shoulders come up with that line for its advertising campaign, mm. and now it's made its way into the sure, dictionary sure, sure, sure. of English language idioms, it's a or line. does it predate yeah. Head and shoulders? Did they co-opt yeah. it, right? Yes, so I'd be really curious to hear if anybody can uh, can nail that down. Go to it. Yeah.
1: Also, hair is just kind of amazing. I didn't know this, but human hair is virtually indestructible. Yeah. A- aside from being flammable, which yeah. I have done before with my eyebrows.
2: On purpose? No, like in <laughs> science class. Oh. Yeah, before. I know it's really durable. I mean, that's one of the reasons that you have to get such crazy Corrosive chemicals for like yes. drain clogs is because most drain clogs are hair, yes. and it nothing dissolves. It won't dissolve in water. Hair, it, yeah. it,
1: hair is waterproof. It cannot be destroyed by cold. It deteriorates or it decays at such a. Slow, slow rate. A uh, change of climate doesn't do anything. Huh. Natural forces doesn't do anything. It's resistant to so many types of acids and corrosive chemicals. So appreciate uh, the characteristics of hair yeah. the next time you see ball of hair in your shower, yeah. I guess. <laughs> 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 like, wow, that stuff came from me, and it's super yeah. strong. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Kat
4: and Jethro, box of oddities.
1: What
3: do you do when the woman you love dies? Kat
4: and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities.
0: The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media.
1: So we covered a lot of gross things. Uh, that, was, that was pretty good. We went from head to to toe. I would have to say, for yeah. a show about the human body,
2: the, it could have been far grosser. Given yeah, it wasn't given, that. Given gross. who we are, we
1: were pretty restrained. I yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were. I have a final quiz, and this is kind of a piggyback from uh, our last episode. Oh. Um, people really liked my capital capitals quiz. <laughs> I just want to let you guys know that the quiz from last episode, episode fifty-five, that was the cream of the crop. Those were <laughs> oh. like the best material I had. <laughs> And people are like, oh, maybe we should do a part two. Okay, so so here we go. I have a part two, but I just want to warn you guys, All right. they're not that great. Right. And also,
2: to be fair, you're limited by the pool of world capitals. Yes. You can't just com- create new capitals. Yes.
1: So here's the premise. In case if you missed uh, last episode, I'm going to be describing something kind of like a like a crossword clue. And the answer I'm looking for is a homophone or a sound-alike word that sounds like an actual world capital. The example I gave was an activity that buffaloes do. And the answer is Rome. Yes. They roam. And, and Rome is capital city of Italy. Here we go. A rooster grenade.
3: Bangkok. Uh, Bangkok. Correct.
4: Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: To some again, Chris
3: Riyadh, Riyadh, yes, Riyadh,
1: Riyadh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Oh God! All right. Basketball star Jeremy's nickname if he played in Antarctica. What's
0: what's his name? What's his nickname? Jeremy
2: Lin, Lin, oh Lin, sanity, Lynn, Iceland, cold,
3: cold. Iceland. That's a capital. <laughs> C. Uh, whatever. Lim- good enough. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, man, it's gonna be something
0: fru uh Limberg. Oh,
2: limber.
3: Berlin. Berlin. Wow. Okay, that's good. Okay, all right, okay. That's good. That's good. That's gettable.
1: That's good. All right. Alright, guys. Uh <laughs> an architectural way to physically stop an influx of cute rodents.
3: cute rodents. Wall, 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 mouse, mice, wall, mice, mice, mice,
2: mice, mice spirit, wall, mice My rat, house, church, uh, architectural,
3: it's going to mean that like,
2: oh, more, 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 rodents. Oh, uh, more, rat, more raccoon, raccoon. Squirrels. 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 squirrel, squirrel, town,
3: <laughs> Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, Henry Iggins,
1: uh, okay, hamsterdam. Hamster- I said sound not sure. yeah, not a direct cool. homophone, Amsterdam. but, oh, okay, well, we'll see. You think Yogi is able to do it?
2: Um, uh, Oh, oh, is this Canberra? Yes.
1: Wow. All right. Uh, What a New Englander would call a small nocturnal mammal with huge eyes. Nocturnal no, mammal. Nocturnal mammal. 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 mammal.
2: Uh, lemur. marmosets. Lemurs, marmosets. What are uh, nocturnal mammals? Large eyes. Le- M- oh. oh, Lima. Peru. Yes, Lima. Lima. Oh, lemur. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, oh. Lima. Lemur. Uh, yeah. Lima. Lima. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kindergarten. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. Not very strong, but we'll see. This is for... better than last yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're all strong. They're all it's good. Silly. They're all good. Fuzzy plant bovine. <laughs> oh,
3: Moscow!
1: Moscow! Oh. Moscow. <laughs> very good. Uh, uh, that was great.
3: Yeah. Yay! Thank you. I'm glad we did that again.
1: Thank you. <laughs> all right. Lima. Lima.
3: Lima.
2: <laughs> I uh, am not a Lima. <laughs>
1: Uh, And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about... The mm. wonderful facts about our own bodies. Oh, and, uh, we
3: forgot boogers. We'll get them next no. time. Oh, No, we
1: boogers. didn't forget. We didn't forget. <laughs> like, we thought about it. Well, we didn't do boogers. No, we didn't. No. Nor poop.
3: All right. Well, no. Uh-oh. Boogers and poop.
0: Well, every show's about poop. Well, yeah, that's yeah, true. true. But boogers. True. Next time. Yeah.
3: Human us- body 2. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> oh, that
1: was good. Oh, 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 that was good. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> well, uh, you can find us on iTunes. On Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. Check out our sponsor at bonobos.com, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.